What's up? What's happening? It's our final day from Radio Row, Las Vegas, the Hoffman Show on the Team 980. Always live as well on the free Odyssey app. And we are loaded again. I will say uh, about, I don't know, 45 minutes ago, I was looking at the rundown. And um, the way we do this, Anthony, is Anthony Haney's back in our D.C. studios. Um, the way we do it is like when we have a potential, we have a spreadsheet and we put guests in time slots. And we had a bunch of guests that were in the section below the labeled time slots, uh, as in they were still floating. And then all of a sudden, everyone's like, okay, I got to claim a time. Let's go. So we are loaded up today with so many media friends uh, and, and some folks that I don't know, but I'm very excited to meet. Uh, and that includes our first guest coming up in about 15 minutes, Kaylin Collar from The Athletic, who wrote this incredible story on Kyle Shanahan's essentially surveillance state with the San Francisco 49ers, where he has a camera in every single meeting room and has the ability to watch and listen to all of his team meetings from his office. It's something his dad used to do, including in Washington. Kaylin got the inside scoop on it. So we will talk to her about that and Super Bowl 58 coming up at 1.15. 1.30, Scott Graham, who you will hear all Sunday long here on the Team 980. He is the host of Westwood One's pre- and post-game coverage. Uh, on, so their Super Bowl coverage, Scott Graham will join us, one of the great voices uh, in, in our business. He's going to join us coming up at 1.30. Uh, my pal Damon, 2 o'clock is kind of the friends hour. Uh, Damon Amanda Lara scheduled to join us. Uh, 2.15, Bomani Jones is going to stop by the show. Uh, and then the 3 o'clock hour, I'm going to circle back to 2.30 in a second, Anthony, because that's honestly, if we're, if we're being totally transparent with the audience, and I would tell this to any of the other guests, we're most excited for what could happen for us at 2.30. But uh, we will also have Mike Golick Jr. stop by. He might actually close out the show and do real things with us. Uh, so that'll be fun. We might have Don Van Nata stop by. So, like, it is just another stacked day here on Radio Row. Uh, Clint Yates, if I didn't mention him as well. Uh, so just, just a phenomenal day of radio here to close out the week. But at 2.30 today, Anthony, uh, I should say, sorry, I'm, I'm not using Pacific time because that's where I am. Why didn't you stop me before that? The audience doesn't care what time Pacific time things are happening. All of you are on the East Coast. Anthony, why did you let me do that? Uh, I was just waiting for you to stop so I could correct you. Oh, but, okay. You, yeah, you, you, you should have just really cut fast. me off. Okay. That's true. I'm, I'm, I'm just excited. I know. I, I can hear it in your voice. I didn't want to stop the excitement. <laughs> so at, at 2.30 local time, which uh, is 5.30 Pacific, or sorry, 5.30 Eastern, 5.30 for all of you on the radio, Something we have talked about doing for years is going, uh, I think, is going to happen. Um, I'll be all, totally honest with how this is going down. Uh, Kevin Harlan, who is calling the Super Bowl for Westwood One, is going to be on with Grant, uh, at, at, who's five feet away from me, uh, down the dial on 106.7 The Fan. Uh, we have like a 15-minute block between the two stations. Grant has been nice enough to grant us a small piece of his block because... We are going to explain to Kevin Harlan, one of the great broadcasters of this generation and of any generation, that there is an entire segment of our show that was started to be able to play something that he did. So at 2.30 today, or sorry, at 5.30 today, eventually I'll get it right, at 5.30 today, Kevin Harlan will be made aware that real things real people have said into real microphones exist. Which, if you're listening now, you might not know. That is the last segment of our show every single day. It is how we play some of the best sound. And it's sound bites. It's play-by-play. -play, it's uh, funny internet things. Like, if there's audio to a meme, like, it's going to wind up in that segment. Um, 
And the segment was started when I was doing nights and weekends as a way to round out that show, uh, whether it was overtime or, or the Hoffman show on, on weekends, Sunday mornings back in the day on the fan. Um, it was started because I wanted to play Kevin Harlan doing play-by-play of drunk people running across the field. That it happened. It's happened many times uh, when Kevin is calling Monday Night Football for Westwood One. And I, I needed an excuse to play that sound. And I came up with the idea of real things, real people said in real microphones. I played that that sound, and people t- were tweeting me like, "That's an amazing segment. Please do that every show." And so, basically, every show since, including something that from day one we've done on the daily Team 980 edition of the Hoffman Show, was started because of that. So I will tell a more concise version of that story to Kevin Harlan. Probably around uh, 540-ish by the time he gets done uh, talking to GP uh, uh, over there. So I'm excited for that. Uh, That is coming up later on in the show. Anthony, is there any particular guest that you are most excited for on our final Radio Row show here today? Uh, Bomani. uh, I think he's a very unique guy. Definitely seen him uh, all over ESPN. He's usually with, uh, what is is the, uh, Poppy and... Poppy and Levitard. I mean, that yes. show's been that that yes. that show is such yes. a behemoth. Yes. Um, I, here's what I love about Bo, um, and I respect so much about Bomani, right? Because I don't always agree with all of his opinions. Uh-huh. Um, but he is a guy that comes from a different background than most of us in this business. And some you like, there's kind of two paths that people take. One is what I would call the fan path. Like you're a big fan of sports. You you got into it, uh, and this is. I would say this is a harder path to take these days because there's so many people that took the similar path that I took, which is the, the broadcaster path, right? But you kind of take it from like a journalism or a fan standpoint. And I guess there's still people that like go to broadcast school but are mostly fans um, and kind of take that versus like the reporter route that I took. But Bomani is someone who got into media, I will use the word despite having an economics background. So he had this, he's like, he thinks like an economist. And that that results in, I would say, some different calculations than a lot of us have. And sometimes it's a lot more cut and dry. So uh, I'm, I'm definitely excited to talk to Bo. Uh, if you missed the, the end of the show yesterday, I actually uh, got went and said hi to Bomani in person in a commercial break. And then I was late getting back. And for the first time in the show's history, Anthony had to bring us back out of break. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> You did. So, so it wasn't as nerve-wracking as you imagined it to be. Nah, not really, uh, because it was the end of the show. I knew, you know, I wouldn't have to, you know, do a three-hour show. Uh, so it took a little bit more, <laughs> you know, pressure off me. You're like, if I got to just do real things, I know how to do that. That's easy, you know? <laughs> yeah. Relatively speaking, that is definitely the easiest of our segments to do. Um, so we'll, we'll, uh, we'll have Kaylin Collar here in just a few minutes on this surveillance state, uh, if you will, uh, Kyle Shanahan story she wrote, but let's uh, let's quickly in in the four or so minutes that we have here, Anthony, uh, kind of recap. There was so much news yesterday that I kind of I, I actually feel a little bit bad because I got home and realized there was some stuff that we definitely probably could have talked about on the show. Um, and and I do want to get into the Wizards a little bit later, the the Gafford trade, and ultimately the um, you know the, the uh, it's been some interesting day after trade deadline thoughts. But uh, there is also a um, couple of uh, news items in terms of the commander's coaching staff. 
uh, some of which I have a better feel for and more questions and thoughts on than others. Um, the most recent one is about two hours ago. Ben Standig was the first to report that the commanders are hiring Larry Izzo as their special teams coordinator. Um, here's what I would say. Uh, I don't know a lot about Larry Izzo. I remember like he was an NFL player. Um, he was a guy who played special teams. And I'm guessing if Dan Quinn hires him, he's a very good special teams coach. I will say I thought it was interesting that this morning Jeremy Reeves uh, and other special teamers from the commanders, uh, Scooter Harris, Terrell Burgess, and others were retweeting the sentiment and sharing that they really loved uh, Nate Katzer, who did a largely tremendous job and helped Reeves specifically become an all-pro. So um, I understand the sentiment there of why T or why guys on the team wanted to keep Katzer around. I would have fully endorsed them keeping Katzer around, but they ultimately hire Larry Izzo. I think the more interesting one, because people are trying to connect tea leaves on every single thing that has to do with the quarterback, is Tavita Pritchard gets retained as the quarterback's coach. And it's just hard to know kind of what Tavita was as a coach. I hear, Here's what I do know. I often will go, like, league consensus. What is the league telling you about someone? And Tavita was, even though he was at Stanford and, and you know, whatever, Tavita was a guy that had a lot of options. Um, he was a guy that I think a lot of teams wanted. And he is being retained. And whether that is to work with Sam Howell, which I know everyone just takes a big gulp, or work with a young quarterback, like his experience as a college quarterback's coach, working with a young quarterback, we'll see how young and who it is, I think is valuable. And I think it's hard to evaluate the job he did last year, in part because we heard the uh, – the, we now know, I would say, in even more detail, thanks to Nikki Javala and Sam Fortier, a post that came out this morning – or a, a piece that came out yesterday, I should say, in the Washington Post that, like, EB was pretty tyrannical in how he ran his offense. Like, there were players asking position coaches, hey, can we run the ball more? He wasn't taking suggestions. Like, EB was set in his ways and – you know, when Logan Thomas said, I appreciate that he came to work uh, the same way every day, um, that is that is about, you know, I can I can appreciate that. That is the nicest thing that anyone was saying about EB. Like, they like him as a human being, and there's that side of it. But as a coach, like, he was consistent to a fault. Like, he just wouldn't be open-minded about things. And so if EB was in that much control of the offense, it's really hard for me to – like put anything on Tavita or Randy Jordan or I mean obviously the old line coach plays a role uh, and is always a big one but like was EB listening to any of these people um it's really hard to know and I, I don't say that's like bash EB on the way out um but at the end of the day like I, I it's clear that Tavita Pritchard is someone that was very highly thought of in that building because you don't get to stay through all these changes at such an important position at such a critical time for that position in the franchise is you know arc here if you're not someone who can do the job very well so look forward to to hopefully you know shoot we're gonna put in a request and see if i can talk to tavita uh, i'm not necessarily gonna want to i don't know think he's gonna go and tell us too much detail about last year and there's a, frankly at this point like i think moving forward is important but um i think understanding where he is and kind of how he thinks and why cliff kingsbury who we also would love to talk to um thinks tavita is worth keeping around is is something that I would like to know more about. The one thing I will say, too, is this is a staff now that's starting to have a lot of people that haven't worked together. And I, I the, the one thing that I, I think is super critical for DQ to be quality control over and for Cliff to keep in mind and for all these coaches is you don't want a Carolina situation. All these guys might be good individual coaches. Cliff, Tavita, 
Brian Johnson. But if they can't work together and they don't see certain things the same way, you're going to have a pretty gigantic failure offensively, which you definitely don't want to have in the first year of a high draft pick quarterback because then you're just what Carolina was last year with Bryce Young. You don't, you have no idea if, if Bryce Young is any good because of how messy the coaching staff was and how uh, non-cohesive the coaching staff was a year ago. All right, Kaylin Collar is about to join us here on set. She is with The Athletic, wrote a tremendous piece talking about the, uh, I guess the I'm going to use her word, the surveillance state, the surveillance state uh, that is uh, there in San Francisco. Uh, as you're, if you're watching on YouTube, about to see some very large human beings uh, walking behind me, including the Lions' H- Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, that, that must mean we're live on Radio Row. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 and always live on the free Odyssey app. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app and streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980, where you see uh, the guest chair has been brought back into the equation. And Kaylin Kaler from The Athletic is with us. Kaylin, uh, good to see you. How are you? Thanks for having me, Craig. Happy to be here. Uh, I'm glad to have you here. Uh, you wrote a tremendous story on the San Francisco 49ers, and it's really like it is about the 49ers because that's where Kyle is yeah. now, but it's on, I would say, a uh, a tradition that Mike Shanahan started, one that passed through Washington, yep. and um, what a I guess the the word that we're looking for here is a surveillance state, essentially that yeah. they've got. Well, how did you catch wind of this before we even dive into it? Yeah, it's actually like a totally long and convoluted story. So, at the time that Mike was coaching in Denver, that was his second head coaching gig after um, after being in Oakland. He then went to Washington, obviously, and was there for four years, and it was not a very successful run. But it had been written about at the time that he was using cameras. Like Mike Silver, who was at Sports Illustrated back when in the Denver days, had written about it just very in like a couple sentences. Like he'd seen the operation where in the head coach's office, in Mike's office, he had a setup, you know, where he could unmute different cameras and listen. And so it was kind of like a control center in Mike's office. And I didn't know about that. The way I found out about this was our Jets writer, Zach Rosenblatt, wrote a story about the Jets quarterback room last year, 2022 season. The lead of the story was Robert Sala sitting in his office, listening in on the quarterbacks meeting after they were done with a meeting. He was just like listening to them like chit chat afterwards. And like they were still talking about football. They were still going over plays. And that was the anecdote of like, look at how hard working this quarterback room is because they're still going over plays. But the, what, what I took away from that was like, like, what the hell? Yeah. How how does he do with that? I was like, that's really weird. I'm like, is, is this normal? This is not something I'd heard of before. So then I started texting coaches. I knew around the NFL, um, had worked for Kyle in San Francisco just randomly because I was just like, okay, what coaches are going to respond to me quickly? So I'm just like assistant coaches, whoever yeah. is this normal? Are other teams set up this way? And he's like, Oh, Robert got Sala got that from Kyle in San Francisco. And I was like, Oh, interesting. So then I'm like, well, where did Kyle? And then I start Googling Shanahan cameras and then you'll see like these little sentences and other stories that pop up. So that's my long way to explain how I got the story idea. So it's, it's basically a Shanahan tree thing. Mike right. started it in Denver and the technology has completely evolved to the point now. I, I was going to say, like, I imagine like an old school 1980s movie, like yeah. security guard sitting somewhere, probably yes. falling asleep before the villain breaks yes. in. Like, and now he's probably got HD cameras with like, like crystal clear everything. Well, and the difference now is that Zoom happened, right? Mm-hmm. So in 2020 with the COVID protocol, teams were limited in how many people could be in a meeting room and they had to socially distance. And if they weren't able to do that, they had to be virtual. And so 
coaches who might normally pop into a meeting, I couldn't do that anymore. So it became a lot easier to do this type of surveillance because you were already setting up all of your meetings to be recorded on Zoom anyways. So when that happened, Kyle, Kyle was already doing it in San Francisco, but they transitioned to Zoom and now it's just made it easier for him to actually, this is the difference between Mike and Kyle. Mike couldn't join a meeting from his own office. He had to walk down the hall and open the door, which he did several times. Right. Like, so the opening anecdote to the story in The Athletic, which I would highly recommend anyone to read, is Mike overhearing a change that was being made. It was a protection, I think. Yeah. Uh, and and him just running down the hall and being like, oh, hell no, we're not doing it. And this yeah. is why. Yeah. And so there was like multiple stories of that. And I on Media Night this week, I needed more stuff about Kyle because I had pre-reported all of the nine of, of the Mike Shanahan stuff. Right. And I had gotten a few players on the phone who I played for Kyle in San Francisco, but not many. So I was like, all right, media night, I got to get some Niners. So I went to their third string quarterback, Brandon Allen, and I'm like, um, you know, assuming that Kyle is probably more involved with quarterbacks than any other position. Right. I'm like, does he like, what is, what is this like? And he's like, oh, we call the screen in our room. Uh, like the Zoom screen, he's like, we call it the voice of God because Kyle will unmute and just start talking into their meeting. So that's, that's where the technology has changed because Mike had to physically appear. Kyle doesn't even have to leave his office. He can just unmute himself and start correcting things, which is really interesting. That's fascinating. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about it. Uh, I, I feel I feel like if I was like... I guess what it does do, like, I don't know. So I've got a lot of, the audience knows this, so I'm sorry to the audience for on uh, some level being repetitive here, uh, but you don't know this. So I do a podcast with Logan Paulson, who played for Kyle. Logan was in my story. There you go. Yeah. So Logan, Logan and I talk about stuff with Kyle all the time. And I yeah. think there's like a couple of different things that I've learned about why that tree is so successful. And one of them is the level of perfection that is needed to like, get something in yeah. the playbook. Yeah. Level of refinement is extraordinarily high, which is why I think these coaches like slow it, go to somewhere else yeah. and become very successful. Also, there is like if you're going to work for Kyle with the level of detail he has, your ego has to be in control. And I'd mm-hmm. imagine like there are coaches that absolutely that would not fly with. And if you know that about yourself, like you're probably not working for Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, and I think that's completely right. And the thing that was interesting about this is, um, well, I have three things to say, but the first thing is, uh, I'll try to remember them all. But That's first, been me all week. Yeah, yeah. The first thing is, um, I did speak to a few people who were very critical of this system, but I couldn't include their opinions in any concrete way in this story because they were not even willing to go anonymous. Like, I, I couldn't refer to them in any capacity. It's just like, yeah, I'll tell so, you, but you can't use it. Yeah. Right. And and I thought that was interesting because it shows, like, Kyle Shanahan is a very powerful figure. We've seen many, three different head coaches get hired from his staff. So he is, he's got a lot of sway. And, and people are not wanting to be on the wrong side of that. So... There are people who are definitely not fans of this, but everyone that is quoted in my story is like, yeah, we like it because it helps us, it helps the coaching messaging, messaging stay well, at consistent. At the end of the day, if you're about the team, like, yeah. he's the guy that drives it. Right. So it's quality control in real time. And Logan um, had a really good quote and a really good point that he made in my story when I talked to him because he played with Mike and Kyle. Right. So he's got the experience of knowing them both and seeing directly how Kyle took things from Mike and how they're similar. And Logan was like, he also played other places outside of the Shanahan tree, like right. Chicago, I think Houston, yep. Atlanta. Yep. 
So he said he noticed a difference right away when he was at a different organization that was not coached by Shanahan because he's like, I might be in like an offensive line meeting and the message from the offensive line coach is about our run game is like not lining up with the offensive coordinator and the offensive coordinator doesn't have the knowledge to know that our first meeting went poorly. So his meeting goes bad. And then it's like all of the meetings are just like compiling and like the level of not being on the same page. And he was like, at first I just thought it was like a Shanahan thing. Like, Oh, they must be talking to each other all the time. He's like, but now that we're talking about the cameras, he's like, I think it was (laughs) because of that system. Like that means a lot. Yeah. And then the third thing I was going to say is um, going back to like the surveillance aspect of it. And I think this goes a long way in why some people are fans of this system is um, there is the ability to mute your audio. So on Zoom technology, the position coach, if he wants to have a real conversation with his players or even if he's like, all right, we're talking about our personal lives right now. Like this isn't about football anymore. Yeah, he can, hear this. Yeah, yeah, he can mute it. And Mike was very specific when he implemented this system in Denver and Washington. At the time it wasn't Zoom, so there was a light switch or a dial that you could turn. And Mike was very specific to tell his coaches, hey, I don't want this to feel like a big brother thing. Like huh. if you want to talk, you know, S-H-I-T about me, go <laughs> ahead and just turn the dial off. And right. then Chris Forster, who is now the run game coordinator. Yes, great coach. Great coach. He um, he told me that there were several times in Washington where he forgot to turn the switch back on after turning it off. And Mike's assistant had to come to his office and be like, hey, you need to turn this back on. So, the, so Mike did care to be like, I need to hear everything about football. But if it wasn't, he was like, all right, just do your thing. Like, I don't want you to feel like I'm watching you every single second of the day right that is so cool there's so many more anecdotes and so much great uh insight and you get more logan paulson which i mean what more does yeah. my audience want than more lp he's great he's i had never met me. him before well what's we'll big fan now we have to get you on the podcast yeah we have to get you on take command yeah so we'll, we'll get that all scheduled we have each other's great. email we'll get that done uh maybe we can do like a podcast length version of this and talk about some more <laughs> yeah. of the anecdotes yeah uh and we didn't have to be uh radio friendly so that's also fun right uh kaylin kaylor you read the story in the athletic it's so good definitely Definitely check that out. Uh, when we get back here on Radio Row in Las Vegas, Scott Graham, one of the great voices of the NFL on Westwood One, joins us here on the Hoffman Show. Hoffman Show, we're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app. We are scheduled at, the, at this time to be joined by Scott Graham of Westwood One. So we will, uh, we're working on getting Scott over here. So um, we'll see what happens as we're live on Radio Row. Looks like a... I see, I see our on-site producer, Jacob, who's just crushed it this week, and, uh, and the PR person from Westwood One chatting it up right now. So we are, uh, I know Scott uh, is actually taking some time out to join us from his pre-production work because they have some obscene number of hours of pre-game coverage on Westwood One, which you will hear all of on the Team 980. But, like, I, I thought I heard the number 18 for the weekend. Um, that can't possibly be right. There's, there's no way. I think that might be Scott right there. We'll see in a moment. Uh, I guess we'll figure that out. Maybe that's not. We'll see if that that person that I thought was Scott Graham. This is the fun of radio, too, Anthony. Is uh, I've heard Scott Graham's voice uh, for years, for over a decade. He's one of the great. Like some people know uh, his voice uh, and don't realize that's his name. And you're going to hear him in a moment when he sits down uh, with us on Radio Row, and you're like, "Oh, that's that guy." So I'm excited to talk to him. 
Um, but yeah, there there is an obscene amount of uh, work that goes into the Super Bowl on Westwood One. Scott Graham is one of the biggest people uh, who is a part of it, and he is scheduled to join us any moment. Um, so he's. I just got the word that he is coming uh, in just a moment. I will say this: um, that's those stories from Kalen and the and the the piece itself are so freaking interesting, and you wonder how certain teams are just better coached than others. You wonder how certain teams are locked in on certain details and others are not. And you hear stories like, oh, they've, yeah, they've got uh, Zoom capabilities and cameras in every single room. And you're like, oh, okay, uh, that that makes a lot of sense. I see how they're able to uh, to get things together because they, they stop problems before they start. And the story that she relayed from Logan uh, that that was in the story. I, I can't wait to follow up on this. By the way, on Take Command on Monday. Um, but that that you know, if in other places they have miscommunication, and that miscommunication then gets to like the bigger offensive meeting. Now you've got two different messages being sent. Like it's just it's how you have these massive problems and, and attention to detail and, and things or guys looking confused. Like I can't imagine how much. Uh, that happened last year on the Washington defense. Like that's, it's just gotta be a factor, uh, in terms of what has gone down. And I, I think it's interesting too when you, you look at some of the problems last year on Washington's offense and like it's enhanced by the fact that Eric Bienemy did not have to, or did not get to, I should say, hire his staff. But that is part of, of the issue, right? Like he, he doesn't get to hire the staff. It doesn't seem like he communicates particularly well with the staff. And now all of a sudden you've got a bunch of guys who aren't executing, and it seems like they're on different pages, and it's because they are. Like, it, 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 sometimes it's that simple. Your organizational structure is, uh, is not set up in a way that you really have a chance of succeeding. And then there's other teams that not only are set up to succeed because they hire the right people and they, they do the proper vetting and all of that stuff, uh, but they also have, like, literal instruments cameras microphones etc in place to ensure that things go down the way that they want the quality control is that high so really fascinating story from kaylin and uh you could definitely read more on that in the athletic um anthony here's i know this is a wacky bit in terms of the clock but here's what i think i actually want to do because i'm i'm looking at the rundown right now and we have uh, a blank space next, which we're, you know, talk amongst ourselves, do some good old-fashioned sports radio content. But I would honestly rather talk to Scott more. So let's do this uh, before Damon Amendolara joins us at 5, Bomani Jones at 5.30, and Kevin Harlan uh, stopping by for a quick moment after that. Let's take a break here, and we'll go long with Scott Graham, the pre- and post-game host of Westwood One's coverage of Super Bowl thirty-eight next on the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 and always live on the free Odyssey app. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app and streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980. And it is a pleasure now to be joined by one of the great voices in our business. Uh, it's the true professional guy whose work I've admired for a long, long time as a radio nerd myself. Uh, that is Scott Graham of Westwood One. Scott, thank you so much for coming on with us. Thank you for having me. And, you know, it's Friday here, so this place is hopping a lot more than it was 
just a couple of days ago. You could have walked through here on Tuesday night and, you you know, some tumbleweed rolling by. Now it's really going. Yeah, these last two days. It was funny earlier because it was a little it was a little quieter this morning. And, uh, you know, some of our colleagues over here, our, our fellow D.C. guys, uh, were talking and, and we're like, man, it's a little quiet. And then Gronk walks in. I'm like, I think it's, I think the chaos <laughs> is about to, to to peak again. Don't worry. Have no fear. Gronk is here. Chaos does follow Gronk. Yes. Uh, follow, lead, surround <laughs> all sides. Uh, but you have been, this is Super Bowl 15 for you. Uh, and you will hear Scott's coverage, of course, this weekend on the Team 980 as we have full coverage of Super Bowl 58, including Super Bowl Sunday, all of the pre- and post-game festivities. What what's your favorite part of that, that pregame that lead up? Because you guys do so much uh, in the hours and hours and hours leading up to kickoff. Well, what we do over the course of the week, and we start on Sunday, is we basically craft what that four and a half hours before kickoff is going to be, starting at two o'clock Eastern, and we get a lot of the interview stuff done on with players mm-hmm. done on Monday night. We have our own area as a rights holder away from the crowd on opening night. We get a lot done that night. This year, we got just about all of it done that night because that's the way the teams wanted it. Oftentimes in the past years, you know, we would go talk to the head coach on Thursday or Friday out at their facility or the quarterback, you know, would be set apart from that. This year, we got all of that done fairly early, and it's been really more about putting together the remainder of what we have, talking to the people that are going to be filling in around the rest of that, and then it's like a big jigsaw puzzle, right? It's, right. it's okay, what goes here, what flows into this best, and you do it for an individual hour-long show, which could be a standalone based upon which radio station is carrying it, but you also are flowing for the full four and a half hours, and by the time we get to four o'clock, it's must-carry for everybody anyway, so we, we know what that's going to end up looking like. It's... It's a very, very involved operation, but being part of that operation and trying to figure it out. Right before I came to you, we were trying to slot something else here, move something else there, because ultimately we're going to have everything in place pretty much by the end of the day today. So take me inside that that area Monday night where it's you and who else is conducting these interviews? Because you guys have, obviously, Harlan and the game broadcasters. You have so many different uh, former and, I'm assuming, current players on set working with you, a special to Super Bowl Sunday. So like, who, who's in the room and, and how do those interviews go? We have two interview rooms so that as the Chiefs or the 49ers staff bring their players down, and we've made our requests for who those players are going to be. Sure before we ever get to the city. So we'll have the two rooms, and Laura Oakman, Mike Golick, and I all have interviewing responsibilities. We know who we're slated to interview. Right. We also know if two people show up at the same time that are both mine and I'm talking to one of them, that Laura might have to be ready to, to speak to that person. But this year I don't think we had any of those. Um, and we'll get our six to eight minutes which with each of the ones that comes down, have our conversation, move on. I get out of the room. Golik jumps into the room because his interview has just come in. And we do that for the first team. In this case this year, it was the Chiefs. And then we do it for the second team with the 49ers. It's a very, it can be a very efficient way of doing it. It could also be a little <laughs> bit 
crazy. Yeah. Uh, this year was pretty efficient. I mean, it moved through exactly pretty much the way we thought it would. That's nice, and I'm sure it helps that the Chiefs have done this a time or two before. The 49ers back for the second time in four years. Both PR staffs this year, and, and in general, if you're not a newbie to this, a new team to this, they have a pretty good idea how this all runs. Yeah. It's the new teams that get here. They're like, wait a minute, what do I have to do now? And right. It, and it, it gets – but again – We've had some experience with this, too. So <clears throat> when you talk about Howard Denneroff, who's been you know the executive producer of Westwood One for so long, he can kind of help them make it easy for them and doable for us. Right. Scott Graham, uh, as if I need uh, to give that voice any introduction, any reminder, uh, Westwood One Sports is with us here on The Hoffman Show. Um, what's the most interesting thing that came out of an interview in your mind? It could, it could be something significant to the game or just something that you learned about a player or a coach that you're like, wow, that, that really sticks with me. I think that there's a number of things. I think that, you know, everybody's been waiting to see what they're going to hear from Travis Kelsey, and you will hear from Travis Kelsey. Um, and was there going to be any talk about Taylor? Yes, there is. <laughs> um, there, But... There are players that you don't think about with regard to, uh, well, this is a, a prominently featured player, Trent McDuffie, mm. who is a second-year player out of Washington and an all-pro in just his second year, playing kind of a hybrid slot corner position. He is one of the most interesting, intelligent, impressive 23-year-olds I've ever spoken to. And I spoke with him a couple of weeks ago, four weeks ago maybe, during the season for one of our pregame shows. I got the opportunity to talk to him again. It's just so intriguing to to hear the thought process that goes in for somebody who's really trying to be a student of the game. But, you know, Christian McCaffrey and the fact that, you know, he decided he was going to train with a professional surfer because he was going to learn a different way to try to make himself that much better, just that much better each time. And what did that teach him? It, it taught him about the fact that, you know, he could improve on his breathing. I mean, it it's amazing when you hear individual players and coaches go through their process. Um, some great, great stuff there, but great stuff during the course of the week this week. Joe Montana is going to be joining us and, you know, De- look, decent get in a yeah, 49er Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, and he also played for the Chiefs and brought him to a championship That's game true. later yeah. in his career. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Wayne Newton's going to be joining us. <laughs> Mr. Las Vegas, if you're going to do a Super Bowl from Las Vegas, why not sit down with the man from Dunkashane, who, by the way, has a couple of tremendous stories to tell. So we try to vary it. We try to, to keep it fresh and moving along over the course of time. And hopefully we've gotten to that point. And then, you know, by the time we get to, to 639, we'll have a football game. Yeah, for sure. Uh Scott Graham is with us here on the Hoffman Show. Uh, Super Sunday coming up uh, this Sunday. The whole four and a half hours we are carrying on the Team 980. And, and I, we want to ask you about the game itself in a second uh, before we our, our time is done here. But that idea that like everyone is leading towards 639, and that's when the thing begins. Except for, for you, like that's kind of when you get to finally take a breath. What What is that energy like for you as you're doing Super Bowl 15? Uh, for you, like it's knowing great. that, knowing that, like, oh, I finally get to breathe when the game kicks off, as opposed to everyone starts holding their breath. I do get to breathe, but my job is far from done because when I do the post game show, 
and we get to the radio replay part, I've got to be pretty detailed about what happened leading up to the highlights we're playing. So while I'm sitting there watching the game, and this year I will be sitting next to Devin McCourty, who will be co-hosting with me pregame, halftime, and postgame, three-time Super Bowl champion, I'll be taking notes on each drive so that when we ultimately get to the end of the game and say these are the eight highlights that we're using, I have the ability to walk my way through what it was. This holding call set this up. So I have to keep an eye on the game in that way, but no, I'm not talking anymore at that point for a while until we get to halftime. Um, and then, you know, post game is an entirely different animal. Post game is the game is over. Kevin Harlan talks about who just won. The confetti comes down, and all hell breaks loose on the field. And Laura Oakman and Mike Golick are running in between players doing interviews. They're kicking upstairs to Kevin, and then ultimately I take over that part of it, and it's downstairs to Laura, over to Mike, back up to me. We're taking a commercial. Wait, we can't take a commercial. Well, Laura's got this person. It's it's crazy. And we try to get as many of the winning players on as is possible, and that's quite an undertaking. And I'll tell you what, Laura has been doing this for a while. She's I think so this, good. This is her, her sixth Super Bowl for us, and I believe it's Mike Golick's third Super Bowl for us. And Mike will tell you the story. You know, he's a player. I mean, he was down in the trenches, the defensive lineman in the National Football League. He was in no way prepared for what that was going to be like, the scrum after the Super Bowl, the first one that he did. Now he's gotten a little bit, you know, more used to the idea, but uh, – he tells it funnier than I do. He's, he's a funny guy, that Mike Golick. Uh, by the way, Mike Golick Jr. will be joining us to close out the week uh, later on in the show. Um, and it's, I will say this. this Again, I feel like I'm blowing smoke uh, here, Scott. But like I've listened as a radio person to you do this for a long time. And specifically... Uh, on Super Bowl Sunday because, like so many millions of Americans, I'm driving to and from yep. my Super Bowl party. And so I have distinctive memories of listening to that Thank chaos. goodness people are in cars because otherwise I can't figure out who would be listening to us on Super <laughs> right. Bowl Sunday, well, that, right? That's what it is, right? It's like you finish watching your Super Bowl uh, at or finish watching the Super Bowl at your Super Bowl party. You get in the car. Hopefully, uh, if you're listening to us right now, you'll flip on the Team 980 and you'll hear the chaos that Scott just described. And I have distinct memories of certain Super Bowls and driving home. One that's popping into mind right now is like driving home from my aunt and uncle's house to my grandparents house on long island in new york and like listening to that exact chaos that you're talking about uh and westwood one has been doing it well forever uh as for the game itself in our final few minutes here uh with scott graham who again is the host for the pre and post game halftime as well on westwood one this weekend uh have you found yourself leaning towards any particular side for any given reason as the week has gone on and you have studied this game more and more when I look at the rosters globally, it's hard for me not to say that San Francisco is a team that has got a lot going for it. And when they have it going on all counts, they are a very difficult team to beat. The one I generally will look at one group, offense, defense from two teams. So there's four different groups. I'll look at one group in each Super Bowl, and I'm going to say to myself, this is the one that potentially could change the game. The Chiefs' defense could change this game. Yeah. They have played that well. Steve Spagnuolo, had, and he proved it last week in Baltimore, or two weeks ago in Baltimore in the championship game. I, I, I mean, I thought for sure the Ravens playing at home would be able to get their offense going, and they were unable to do it. And that was Steve Spagnuolo. I talked with him last week, and he's very excited about this group that he's got. I would imagine Brock Purdy is going to see a couple of things early in this game that he has not seen before. Uh, 
I, I can tell you he's going to because Steve Spagnuolo is probably going to throw some things out there that he hasn't thrown out there before. Mm. That could change and tip the scales in in the Chiefs' favor in this game. Kansas City hasn't figured out a way to score in the second half in a while. They they've put up points when they've needed to in the in the postseason right now. I, I would say that. My gut would say that if the Chiefs' defense can't do that, this is San Francisco's game. But if the Chiefs' defense can do that, coin toss. And if you leave it up to Patrick Mahomes to win the game, he's going to win the game. He's uh, he's very good at that, that whole winning thing. Um, yep. Last thing for you. Have you talked to Kyle at all this week? Did you guys get a chance to chat with him? Shanahan? Yes. I did not do the interview with Kyle Shanahan. Laura Oakman did. I am curious what she, if you talk to Laura about it. If not, I might have to go try to find Laura, um, who's been on the show before. Yeah, she's not far she's, away. She's, she's wandering yeah. around somewhere. Um, there's obvious curiosity in Washington about Kyle, uh, as, as his long history there. I, I personally am fascinated by the way he has been able to build that in San Francisco. And there's extra intrigue now with Adam Peters coming uh, in Washington. But specifically for Kyle and his legacy, like, does he feel any pressure from what you've been able to gather of his Super Bowl history? Like, did, can he finally win one? Like, is there any of that that you think has infiltrated the intense focus that is Kyle working on a game plan leading up to Super Bowl week? It's got to be there. I mean, there, there's you know, when you are as focused on what he does, it's got to be there. I, I don't know how much it invades his thought process. I don't know how much it invades what it is that he does, which is so rigid and so disciplined in terms of trying to get to where he wants to get to on a day, on a week, in a game. Um, but it, it's got to be there. And it's funny because here he goes against Andy Reid right now. And a few years ago, Andy Reid, when they beat the 49ers, was in that exact position. Totally. Yeah. No, it is something that we tend to forget how quickly they can change. One game for it all on Sunday. Four and a half hours of pregame leading up to it. Led by this man, Scott Graham, Westwood One. Thank you so much for your time, sir. And I guess you get to go uh, finish putting together that pregame show now. Yeah, we're going to be at it for a little while tonight, but we'll, <laughs> we'll get there. Right, best of luck. Uh, Damon Amendolara joins us here on set next.